Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I am your host, Martha Tyler, and this week we are going to be talking about potty training. And to do that, I have brought on Allison Jandu. Hello, Allison. Hi, how are you? I'm doing really well. I'm really excited about uh, talking <laughs> to you about this. Um, yeah, but before we get started talking about potty training, I would love to hear your journey with potty training. How did how did you become a potty training consultant? Yeah, sure, no problem. That's um probably one of the questions I get asked the most because <laughs> not you know, you don't hear of that too often as a career choice. So, right. it's a very legit question. <laughs> um, so basically, I, um, I've got two kids of my own, so, so starting out, so that's kind of how I, you know, initially got introduced to potty training, because I had to potty train my own two kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, I really started, found my enjoyment for potty training when I was potty training my son, who's the oldest, um, and he just made it so easy, you know, so I was like, why, do, why does everybody complain about this? Like, this isn't so bad. Um, it's actually kind of fun, like just seeing how proud he was of himself as he was like, you know, mastering the new skill. It was just like, it was so awesome to watch. Um, and, you know, so he made it look so easy that like all my friends and family, like when they were having their kids approach potty training age, they would ask me like, what did I do? You know, because it seemed like it went so well. So I kind of started helping them and, um, and most of them had, you know, the same amount of luck. And then, then it came time to potty train my daughter who is about two years younger. And, um, she was the exact opposite of potty training my son. Um, she was not easy at all to potty train. Um, And that was what, you know, kind of prompted me to start diving in and researching, you know, different potty training methods and trying to find something that would work for her because I knew that she could do it. I just, um, you know, just whatever I was doing wasn't working for her. So that was kind of when I first realized that, you know, first of all, there's no real one size fits all way to potty train. Mm -hmm. And secondly, um, it made me realize that, you know, there's, there's not a ton of resources out there for parents who are, you know, genuinely struggling with the process, not reliable stuff anyway, you know, you can find a zillion different blogs and 
you know, um, articles and things like that online about potty training and they all kind of contradict each other. So it's really, it's really hard to find reliable info. So that's when I was like, you know, there should be help for this. Like there's help for so many other aspects of parenting that why not potty training? And, um, that was kind of when the idea of the potty training consultant was born and I've been pouring my heart and soul into learning everything I can about potty training every day since then. So um, luckily it's been a very successful journey for me. And I guess a lot of people agree that help is needed when it comes to potty training. So that's kind of where I am now. Yeah. So I, um, I am in a nanny share and we are um, starting to potty train um, both girls. And so um, it's, this is kind of coming at a perfect time in in my nannying. Um, Yeah. yeah. And so, so I, I heard you when you were talking about with your son that, that you really enjoyed potty training with him. What, what did you what did you love about potty training? Um, you know, I think I just looked at it more as it being a really good time to kind of bond with him while he was learning this. Um, because at the time I was a full-time working mom, so he was in a daycare all day and you know, I I decided to kind of take a long weekend off or whatever and you know, and then it was just us, like it was just focused on us and it was us spending time together and the potty training kind of fell secondary to us just doing fun things and, you know, genuinely like enjoying each other, which we didn't get to do that often, um, just with the busyness of everyday life. And, um, you know, and that's kind of when I realized that, you know, when you're kind of laid back and, um, you're enjoying things and, you're not, you know, stressed and worried about, you know, is he getting it? Oh my gosh, he had an accident. I'm, you know, I'm failing, whatever. Um, it, uh, it makes the process go a lot smoother, you know, from the child's perspective and from your perspective. And so I think if, if parents or nannies or, you know, daycare providers, whoever's potty training, that if you kind of take that approach and, um, and look at it more as an opportunity to really bond with your child while you're teaching them this new skill, um, that it makes the overall experience a lot better. So I think that was, that was really kind of what I enjoyed the most about it. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. And I know, um, for a lot of families, uh, potty training kind of comes a lot of times right as maybe a second sibling is being born. And I, I have seen it be really wonderful for, um, the eldest child to have this, this thing that they get to do with mom and dad and nanny and caregivers. That's just about them. Definitely. Definitely. It definitely brings back the center of attention focus to them for a little, even if it's only temporary, you know, for a little while. (laughs) Um, and it's a really good opportunity to do that. So I think if parents are, you know, the potty trainer looked at it from that perspective that they get to, you know, have that special one-on-one time for a little bit that they might not get to otherwise that, um, you know, they might not hate the process so bad after all. Right. Yeah. Um, so how do you figure out when it's time to potty train? Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
I usually say, you know, everybody always asks me, like, what's the ideal age to potty train? Mm-hmm. Um, and while age is a pretty important factor, it's not, you know, it's not the only factor that goes into it. But when people ask me an age, I have kind of defined the ideal window as being somewhere between around 22 to 28 months. So like somewhere in that six month window usually tends to be best. Um, Now, don't get me wrong, there are definitely (laughs) factors that, you know, contribute that may cause that window to be earlier or later, depending on the child, everybody's different. Right. Um, But, you know, you can also look for certain signs of readiness um, from your child or um, the child that you're caring for as far as um, things like just showing a general interest in the bathroom, um, you know, wanting to be in there with you when you're going or asking questions or wanting to flush the toilet and, you know, things like that. Or um, they can typically follow basic direction pretty well. Um, at that point. So like if you're able to say to them, okay, can you put the blocks in this basket or something like that, then they can comprehend and they can do it. Um, They are kind of eager to learn and eager to mimic things that adults are doing, you'll notice. Um, So if, you know, they feel like they want to help and they want to do the things that they see you doing, um, that's a really good time to introduce the process. And then there are kind of physical things that go into it too. So things like, Staying dry, staying dry longer throughout the day. Um, so you'll start to notice that instead of it being seemingly like a continually wet diaper, that you'll only have to change their diaper like every few hours or every couple hours. Um, they may start to hide to poop, which is a good indicator of readiness because that means that they know that they need to poop and then they're seeking that privacy in order to actually go before they do. Um, and then like things like staying dry for naps and overnight is a huge one too, as far as, um, you know, as far as readiness goes. So they may start to ask to have their diaper changed and things like that too. So there's like kind of a lot of little things that you can look for. And I always kind of preface this with, you know, some kids will show all these signs and then some kids won't ever show any of these signs. So it's not always necessarily about waiting until they seem ready, but Um, you know, once you're within that age window or beyond, um, really you can introduce the process at any time as long as you feel ready as the child's, you know, teacher and coach to get them through the process. Yeah, I was looking at your um, website um, when we set up this interview, and I really loved that on there you said it's, it's less about the child being ready, and it's kind of more about if you as the yeah, caregiver. Yeah, it really right? is. <laughs> it really is. I think a lot of parents don't necessarily realize that because there's so much information floating around out there that's like, you know, um, anytime there's an there's a struggle with potty training, it's always concluded as, oh, they're not ready yet. Um, oh, you know, they need to be older first or whatever. And it's really not about that as much as it is about, you know, just you knowing how to handle the process, you know, how to approach your child and get them the tools that they need that they will respond to based on their personality and the way that they learn, Um, you know, and not just following something step by step from a book that you read necessarily, because, um, you know, not every method works for every kid. So it's, it's very much about educating and learning yourself before you start the process too. Yeah, that's such a good point that I I hadn't really thought of of this idea that 
not all potty training. Like there's no one size fits all. Exactly. For potty training, that really tailoring it to each child, even siblings or even twins, because I have potty trained twins before and they were very different in what they needed. I know. And that's so true. And that's kind of one of the misconceptions about twins is that, you know, you can just, you can always just do both at the same time and like kill two birds with one stone. But you have to realize that, you know, one might be ready before the other or vice versa. And, um, you know, they may learn differently. They may respond differently to, um, you know, to rewards or praising or to how you handle accidents and things like that. So every child, no matter how close they are, is is always a different potty training journey, it seems like. Yeah. So I kind of think of it me personally in in like stages. So I feel like because I've I've worked with several families as they've gone through this journey and they've all kind of done it differently, which is great. Um and so from my observations it seems like there's like the starting to notice the signs stage Mm -hmm. and like starting to think about, oh, (laughs) we need to learn about body training. (laughs) Um, And and then Um, there's this stage that I think can be so helpful of like that ramp up. So it seems like while the parents are learning, the, the most successful ones that I've seen have used that time to also start talking to their children about it. Definitely. That's that's when you see those books showing up in the Mm -hmm. house of like about potty training. And then also they start doing things like encouraging the child to like work on getting dressed in the morning or getting undressed at night. Are there other things like that that you have found to be really helpful to like help set kids up for success that you can start talking about before you officially start the actual potty training? Definitely. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because that preparatory phase is really the most important part because um, it's really important to get the child on board with the process before you just decide to wing it and bring on this huge change to them all of a sudden one day. (laughs) Um, So they tend to do a lot better with it when it's something that's kind of brought on gradually instead of um, waking up one morning and being like, hey, guess what? You're going to pee in the potty today instead of your diaper and them kind of being like, wait, what? You know, um, (laughs) cause I mean, thinking about that as adults, like if, if your boss came in and told you like, okay, we're going to do this work thing completely differently today. All right. That would really throw you. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really, really valid, um, you know, comparison totally. Um, Yeah, so it really helps to have them, you know, prepare a little bit to get familiar with the concept and to, you know, introduce it before there's any pressure for them to actually do anything yet. Um, Because kids do tend to be very set in their routines. And that's kind of what brings them comfort and, you know, security is having that consistency and that predictability and knowing what to expect from day to day. So, you know, if you kind of start throwing in some positive talks about the potty daily. Um, You know, it doesn't have to be all day, every day, you know, it can just be here and there. Um, But totally like what you said, like reading books about the potty, that's a huge one. That's great. And there are so many great ones to choose from um, out there now. 
that, you know, most libraries, I think, even have, like, potty training sections that mm. you can go and visit and get a couple new books a week and, Love you know, change it up so that the little one feel, you know, they keep, they stay engaged and, you know, it's, it's different fun things that they can see week to week. Um, there's a lot of great videos too, like on YouTube and online, um, about potty training. You can even find some that have like the kids' favorite characters in them. Like Daniel Tiger has a really great one. Um, so, you know, seeing that interaction also is a different form of learning that a lot of kids respond really well to. And, um, probably the biggest one would be actually like kind of role-playing, um, using the potty with some of their toys. So you actually like have them like show the doll how to use the potty. Um, and you know, really walk through the steps and things like that. And, um, kids learn so well through play. Um, as I'm sure, you know, you know, a kid's a child, what do they say? A child's work is play or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, it's really how they learn the best. So if you kind of, um, you know, act out those steps of using the potty and then have them act out the steps with the doll on the potty, um, without any pressure for them to actually do anything on the potty, it can really help them, um, feel excited. It can help them feel, um, you know, just on board with the process. So that's a really big one too. Oh, and, you know, also another good one is to, like, let them in the bathroom with you when you're going. Um, That may not be a huge popular thing for a lot of people, Um, but it really is a really great way to learn because kids are so curious. And, um, you know, if you kind of talk them through the steps of what you're doing, starting with that feeling of needing to go in the first place is a big step that you don't want to leave out. Um, and kind of walk them through the steps while you're in the bathroom, have them flush the toilet for you and things like that. Um, it really can show them, you know, that nothing, there's nothing scary associated with the potty either, because that can be an issue that comes up sometimes. Yes. Yes. And one trick, um, that I have found to be crucial, not as much right now, cause we're not going out in public potties all that often, but when you do go out into public potties and they have those automatic flushers, Mm -hmm. I have found that putting a post-it note over the sensor is, can be like potty training saving because if it flushes when they're on it, it's really scary. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Super traumatizing. Uh, I don't (laughs) That is is an awesome trick. (laughs) (laughs) I know, like, I don't even like using public bathrooms as an adult. So, you know, I, having a newly potty trained toddler in there with you while, you know, trying to get them to use the potty is like, it's sensory overload for them. So, um, yes, that is a very handy trick. Always keep a pad of sticky notes in your back pocket. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, so, once you've ramped up to it, you've been doing your research, reading books and, um, and things like that. And the, you've been talking with the child who's also been reading books and things like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, when you're ready to actually start potty training, um, what is, what does that look like for, for you when you're, and I know that it's not one size fits all, but I guess I'm, I'm curious about the, you know, the first steps, like what do you do generally, or what are some options of things you do those first steps when you're, when you're starting to potty train? Sure. Yeah. There are definitely some 
you know, baseline techniques that you can use and kind of modify depending on your child's personality and your the family's lifestyle and all those kinds of factors. Um, typically, I recommend, in addition to, you know, those other preparatory activities, um, I recommend to actually gear them up for the change of getting rid of the diapers to um, take a short period of about three to five days before you're actually going to dive in and start the potty training to kind of count down the days with them to no more diapers together on the calendar. So you can kind of wake up each morning um, or before they go to bed each night, like X off the day on the calendar and be like, oh, you know, three more days until you're a big boy or three more days until no more diapers. Um, and that can kind of really, it helps them gear up for the change. And it also helps them to realize that the change is actually coming. I think if you're, you know, if you're talking about it, you're preparing them for it. It gives them a chance to um, mentally prepare themselves for that upcoming change. And it also gives you the opportunity to really build their confidence that they can do it. So, um, so that's always kind of the first step that I recommend, especially if the kiddo tends to be really kind of set in their routine and it helps to, to broach it like that instead of springing it on them all at one time. Right. Um, yeah. So that would be the first step kind of pre-step, I guess, um, <laughs> to the process. But then um, generally I do suggest a short period of time of being bottomless um, or naked, whatever the kid prefers. So um, typically about a day to a day and a half is usually all it takes. But having that full day of just being bottomless and kind of letting things air out. <laughs> um, it really helps build their awareness and it allows them to experience those sensations of what it's like to a need to go potty and then b what it's like when they actually start going potty because up until now they've only had diapers on and the diaper technology is so good that you know, it gets absorbed instantly and they don't necessarily get a chance to experience any of those sensations. So that's a really important part of the learning process is getting them to, to know, oh, this is what it feels like to go potty. And, and this is what happens once I get that feeling, the pee and poop start coming out. Um, so definitely have that period of being bottomless. And now I don't necessarily recommend prompting every 30 minutes or anything like that necessarily. Um, I think that can be a good technique to have eventually, but this first day is really all about kind of learning your child's patterns and cues and finding out when or how often they tend to actually go to the bathroom because every kid is so different. So some kids will have to go every 20 minutes and some kids will only go three times a day. So um, if you're prompting the three time a day child every 20 minutes, they're going to get pretty frustrated pretty quick. <laughs> um, and also it doesn't ever give them a chance to experience that feeling of having a full bladder to where they'll be able to recognize that feeling in the future. So you're kind of setting yourself up for, you know, prolonged prompting when you don't really need to. Um, it also lets you observe your child's cues when they do need to go. So you can be on the lookout for those things once you're, you know, back into your regular routine. So if you see that they run to one corner when they have to poop and you see them running to that corner, you know, oh, they got to poop. So let's redirect them to the potty. Um, it's really a good learning opportunity for, for both the parent and the child or the nanny and the child um, that first day to just kind of learn how things are going to go. 
And I typically recommend, depending on the size of the child and their experience so far, recommend having a small potty um, instead of just relying solely on the toilet. Um, and the main reason for that is because you you can catch so many more successes that way. And the more successes you have, the, well, first of all, the more positive the experience is going to be. Right. And secondly, the, the more they'll learn because they'll be getting that extra practice. Um, so I definitely recommend the small potty initially. And it's also helpful because it's more their size. It's less intimidating than, you know, the regular toilet. And uh, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but yeah, and uh, I definitely recommend having step. that small potty nearby. Sorry. Uh, and removing that extra step um, of like the adult having to lift them onto the potty. Yeah, definitely. And that's always something I worried about because especially with my daughter, because she was really petite and, um, you know, safety is a big factor too when it comes to that. And they do have some really great, they've come a long way with seat inserts for the toilets since I've potty trained my own kids um, that, you know, have like stairs or like a ladder almost built on um, with, with the insert and the handles and things like that. And that's a really good way to give the child some stability. Um, It's a good idea to have a mix of both actually in the beginning, um, because that way when you are transitioning back to being out of the house and going different places, uh, you don't necessarily have to be tied to that specific potty chair they'll be more likely to be willing to use toilets other places. Um, but that's definitely always something that can be built built up to eventually as well. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what the first day of potty training would look like for me. Um, that's so interesting because, yeah, I've always um, heard about the, like, queuing. Um, right. And I, I have never heard, like, the other side of that, given – I have never been involved with that first day. Usually I'm coming in, you know, the Monday after that weekend. Right. Um, right. So, but that's really Yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of methods out there do promote more of a timed potty sit kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I've done it both ways. And I've just found it to be um, a much more efficient experience if you kind of let them listen to their own body instead of, excuse me, instead of um, being the one to prompt them all the time. It really speeds up that self-initiation phase, which so many parents want. (laughs) Right, right. Um, Yeah, so let's talk about rewards, because I know people have um, lots of big opinions about rewards. (laughs) What do do. you recommend (laughs) um, about rewarding potty training? Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of rewards, um, but I can also understand the other side of it. Um, However, there's a difference, and I think people get it skewed a little bit, and they they think that rewards are bribes, Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily what that means. Um, You know, a reward is a response to the behavior, not a cause to get them to do the behavior where, which would be a bribe. Um, so you're not saying something like if you sit on the potty, I'll give you an M&M. That's a bribe. Um, instead when they do sit on the potty, you offer them an M&M. So it's a very, I know it's a very like minuscule differentiation, but, um, it's a really important one to make. 
the reward is a huge motivator for most kids. Um, we'll bring it back to the work reference that you made earlier. Um, so like if your boss says, um, if you hit this dollar amount in the month of December, then you get your Christmas bonus. Um, you're more likely to work hard to get that dollar amount to get that bonus. Like that's your reward for working hard and doing the extra incentive. If you aren't being offered that, then maybe you don't care what number you hit. So it's a natural kind of human response that you'll do something if there's something in it for you. So uh, kids are no different, you know, in fact, probably even more so. So um, having that little reward, something that you can find that it doesn't have to be sugar, you know, it can be a sticker or a stamp or a temporary tattoo or something, um, just something tangible, something small that you can give them for each potty success that really solidifies that they're doing the appropriate behavior. And um, it's usually helpful too if the reward that you choose is exclusive, <clears throat> excuse me, exclusive to potty training. So that way they don't get it at, you know, for any other behavior and they only get it for using the potty. And that gives that extra drive to, to use the potty correctly. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I have found that I really love stickers. Like we did kind of a sticker chart with one of the families that I was working with. And it felt nice, I think, for all of us. <laughs> like I would yeah. see them going up and looking at it and seeing all of their stickers on there. And it was also kind of nice for me because I was like, oh, we went potty four times today. You know, like that's great. Yeah, absolutely. A sticker chart is a huge, it's a, it's a great motivator and a great confidence builder because it's a visual display of their success. You know, they don't necessarily remember every time they went potty throughout the day, but if they go up there and they see eight stickers on their chart, then they're like, whoa, you know, it kind of helps them make that connection and it motivates them to keep getting stickers. So it is really something fun that you can kind of all do as a family. You can gather around the chart at the end of every day and um, and be like, you know, look, this is awesome. Look how many times you use the potty today. It's a really great celebratory, you know, aspect to potty training that you can add in so that you can experience that all together as a family for sure. Yeah. So a lot of times, um, in my experience, peeing on the potty has gone pretty well, pretty smoothly, pretty easily. Um, yep. And then pooping is a lot, it's harder. Um, it happens less frequently. So you have less practice runs at it. Yep. Um, and, and it, it can just be more difficult. <laughs> um, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of your thoughts around uh, helping a child be successful at pooping on the potty? Yeah. Um, Pooping is a whole nother ball game. Um, <laughs> I feel like I could, I could talk about pooping like all day long um, because it is such a common problem that parents run into when potty training. Um, so the first thing, the first factor that comes into play with problem poopers usually involves constipation of some form. Mm -hmm. um, so it usually is, you know, their hesitation about pooping stems from some you know, recent or not recent experience of constipation and a discomfort, an uncomfortable or um, painful bowel movement in the past. Mm -hmm. So if they've had that before, and we may know it, we may not, but um, 
they that can kind of put them off from wanting to poop outside their comfort zone of the diaper, which they know is safe. They know is, you know, fine. They know it's not going to hurt when they poop in their diaper. So uh, when you ask them to kind of step outside that comfort zone and put their poop in, a, in the potty instead, it's it sends up a lot of red flags for them. So it can definitely put them off at first. And um, so the number one thing that I always say is make sure that constipation isn't and can't be a factor when it comes to potty training. So if you know that your child already struggles with constipation issues, then I definitely recommend being proactive and um, either doing some dietary changes or, you know, starting to give a daily probiotic or, even a stool softener or something, depending on, you know, the level of severity. Um, so that when you do start potty training, that can't become an issue. Um, you definitely don't want your child having painful poops because that's just going to derail any of your progress that you've made so far. Um, yeah. So you definitely want to make sure you have the constipation under control initially. Um, secondly, you have to get them to actually sit in one place long enough to (laughs) actually poop, which can be pretty hard for a busy toddler or preschooler. Um, They don't necessarily want to go for that when they're so busy doing so many other things. Um, So it's typically helpful to have some new kind of distracting activity that you can reserve for poop time, um, whether it's, you know, like a video on your phone or a new game or a coloring book or something something that you kind of like the reward just reserve just for poop time. Um, So that way it gives them something to look forward to and it's, you know, um, engaging enough to keep them sitting there long enough to actually release their poop. Um, So that's, that's a really helpful thing. And then another big factor is the privacy issue. Um, I think a lot of parents don't realize that Kids, just like adults, tend to want privacy when they're pooping, um, which could be why they're hiding behind the couch or why they feel comfortable going poop in their diaper at nap time, um, you know, things like that. So it's definitely definitely a privacy issue. So try not to hover around your child too much when they're trying to poop because that, you know, performance anxiety can kind of overwhelm them a little bit and it tenses everything up and then it won't let, it won't let the magic happens. So, um, so definitely be sure that if your little one, um, is a hider or if they seem to lean towards wanting privacy, that you're respectful of that and you give them that space when they need to go. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, about privacy because yeah, yeah. Cause there are kids certainly that like very much do not want to be left alone in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, and then there are also kids that are like, get out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me some space. Yeah. yeah. So recognizing that what kind of child you have early on is, is going to be really helpful and that'll help, you know, help you get more successes because if, if they want privacy and you're, I mean, I know it's hard, like you're excited, you want to see the poop in the potty. (laughs) Um, But try to, you know, try to step back, try to, or even, don't even play it like you're leaving them in the potty by themselves. Like, just be like, oh, you know what, I left my phone in the kitchen, let me go grab it. And, um, you know, give them that minute or two alone. And that could be enough to, to actually have them feel comfortable to let go. Hmm. Yeah. How do you talk to kids around, like, pooping like if they are struggling with like the concept of it 
Um, is yeah. there language that you use with, with kids? Um, yeah. So first of all, you, you never, and this can start from birth, really. You never want to, um, talk about poop as being dirty or stinky or smelly or yucky, those kinds of words, um, because that can kind of make it seem like pooping is bad. Mm -hmm. And we don't ever want them to have that thought uh, to where that, you know, to where they end up withholding their poop altogether or something like that, because they have associated pooping with being a negative thing. Um, So even when they're still in diapers, that's kind of an important um, initial step to take as far as discussing pooping. Um, From a kid's perspective, there's an app. I hope I'm allowed to mention this. Um, it's called the Poo Goes to Poo Land. Um, and it's a free app and it sounds really ridiculous and silly, but um, it's a really great way to get kids thinking about pooping from a different perspective. So it kind of gives the poop a personality. It gives them a home, which is the potty. And um, it just speaks to kids on their level. So that way, um, you know, you don't have to think about how to tell a two-year-old about how to push poop out because that doesn't always tend to go over real well. Um, And I've also found that it helps to compare pee and poop to our body's trash. Um, So like we take in food and drinks and our body uses up the good stuff, which would be like the nutrients. And then, um, and then we throw out the trash, which would be our pee and poop. Um, and you can reference the potty as like the trash can for our pee and poop. And for kids that have a fear of pooping on the potty, that can kind of help them overcome that because most kids aren't scared of trash cans. So if they think of it as being just a trash can, um, then that, you know, doesn't seem as scary to them. It doesn't seem like some strange, unfamiliar object anymore. So that can, that can help too, especially when the kiddos start to get a little bit older. Yeah. And I, I had one, um, nanny family who started showing their, their kid, the kid's poop in the diaper Mm -hmm. beforehand, which I thought was really, really a great idea. Um, definitely. You can even flush it down the toilet together. Um, even once they've pooped in their diaper, you can flush it down the toilet together and that gets them to see that, okay, the poop goes in the potty. Nothing bad happens. We flush it away. Nothing bad happens. Um, and it kind of helps them make that connection that poop goes in the potty. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. I'm going to look up that app for sure. <laughs> yeah, it could be really helpful, definitely. Yeah. Um, great. So uh, then comes, <laughs> I feel, nighttime. Yeah, part, which <laughs> I, I knew it was coming. Yep. <laughs> um, so you've, you've got your daytime routine down. Uh, how about how about nighttime? When it when should you switch away from the pull-ups, or do you encourage parents to not even use pull-ups? Like, how does that work? Yeah. Um. So every family is different, you know, and I try to really work with people on what they want. Uh, for some people, you know, they aren't willing to sacrifice that sleep initially, and that's fine. Um. I typically do recommend that if you're going to do it to just kind of rip off the bandaid and do it all at one time. Um, it can make the process a lot faster overall because you, you know, you're doing it during the day anyway, so you can work on things at night too. It also helps 
I think send a more clear message to your child that, um, okay, all poop, all poop and all pee is going in the potty now, only in the potty. Um, and that way there's no kind of room for confusion that, well, sometimes I get to pee in my pants when it's nighttime and you put a diaper on me. Um, or it I'll, sometimes what happens too is that um, kids will start to hold their pee and poop in until they get their nap time or nighttime diaper on. Um, and that's not necessarily being potty trained, you know, so it's helpful in those kinds of cases to just kind of go all in and get rid of the diapers from the get go. Um, that being said, whether you decide you want to start at the same time or whether you decide you want to, you know, wait until they've gotten a little bit more daytime control, that's totally fine, too. Um, the process is typically the same either way. So uh, something I usually recommend to parents before even starting or thinking about starting potty training is to uh, start going in the child's room about 20 minutes or so before they normally wake up in the morning uh, and trying to kind of feel their diaper at that point. You don't have to wake them up early necessarily, but just kind of feel their diaper and see how wet it is at that point. Because a lot of times what happens is the child is actually holding their bladder throughout the night or through most of the night, and they just let that initial big pee out first thing in the morning which gives the false impression that they've been peeing all throughout the night when, you know, in reality, they just peed first thing when they woke up in the morning, just like everybody else generally tends to do. Um, So a lot of parents actually end up finding that, hey, they're, they're dry or they're hardly wet at all. And then that process becomes much less intimidating. And then there's not really much special that needs to be done um, aside from just diving in and getting rid of the diapers. So that's an important kind of recon period that you can initiate before starting so you know whether or not you need to do any um, dream peas or wake ups during the night and things like that. Um, Some things that can help with nighttime potty training um, to kind of facilitate dryness throughout the night, you know, kind of the obvious like limiting fluids about two hours or so before bedtime. you can do what's called a double void, which would be to have them go to the bathroom two times during their bedtime routine. So typically once at the beginning of their bedtime routine, like um, before they get in the bathtub or before they change into their pajamas. And then again, right before they get into their bed at night to go to sleep, that can kind of help keep them dry throughout the night. And then um, if, you know, if you need to, if you have a child that's a deep sleeper or if they're still peeing a lot through the night you can even do um, like what I call a dream pee which is where you get them out of bed and set them on the potty Um, like typically before you go to bed at night is a good time uh, just to help them you know maintain and kind of make it through the rest of the night dry so those are some general things that you can do to kind of help with nighttime potty training yeah that's those are great um So as nannies, we are, um, it depends on, every family is different, but usually we are there as a support system for potty training. We're not necessarily initiating the potty training or, um, or there even for those, those first, you know, kind of like boot camp (laughs) out days. Um, (laughs) And so, um, as I, I guess just because you are a consultant, I'm I'm curious about how you talk to families. Like, how do you, 
what are some questions that you ask families or how do you talk to them about their needs to help figure out how you can help them? Yeah, so um, I always have a very, you know, detailed questionnaire that I send out to my families before I start working with them to really try to learn as much about their situation and about their child before actually developing a plan for them that I feel will work most effectively. Um, so I'll ask things like um, about what their child's personality is like, um, what are their likes and dislikes, how are they motivated, um, how do you get them to do things that they normally don't like to do, um, what's a typical daily schedule look like for your family, uh, do they still nap, do they sleep through the night, um, are they currently in diapers or pull-ups or underwear or any combo of that, um, what's their experience with the potty in the past, have they ever used the potty successfully, um, when was the last time you attempted potty training, if that's relevant. Um, so all different kinds of factors kind of go into it. It's not strictly just about the child. It's not strictly just about um, their potty use. It's kind of all-encompassing because potty training ultimately is a change that you have to fit into your life, but you don't have to reorganize everything in your life to accommodate potty training. It should be the other way around. So, um, So that's kind of where I try to make a plan that's going to fit as seamlessly as possible into their existing routine, um, which ultimately I find tends to make the process easier and more accepted by the child too, because they're not in as much of an uproar for as long learning this, you know, brand new thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good point. And I, I think that as nannies, we would probably know the answer to most of those questions, but I also yeah. think that asking questions around potty training, just starting to ask questions is a great way to help cue your nanny families into just thinking about it. Because sometimes you have more experience, you know, like, yeah, or a absolutely. lot of times as nannies, like a first time parent has never potty trained before and a nanny probably has. Exactly. So, it's so, so yes. helpful to have that experience. Um, even if not, it's really good too to have that extra set of hands, you know, to help and to really kind of solidify the changes that you've made. So when they're in your care versus the parent's care, everything's consistent and there's not, um, you know, there's not a change between when they go to work and they're at home with you, you know, you're carrying on the same things that mom and dad have been doing. So it's not it makes them feel safer. It makes them feel more comfortable because, you know, they, they now know what to expect and they know what's expected of them. So it's definitely helpful to have that, you know, have a nanny, especially a nanny that knows how to potty train. <laughs> yeah. But I also have really enjoyed this interview in that as a nanny, because I have helped potty train other children does not necessarily mean that those are going to work here. And I, right. I think that that's really good for nannies also to keep in mind of like, just because you do have experience, bring that to the table, but also don't get wrapped up in if this child needs something else. That's yeah. That's a reflection on you. That's like Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yep, not at all. And it's helpful too to think about it from the perspective as in, oh, what I'm doing isn't working 
um, you know, the child must not be ready or whatever. Like, it's just a matter of, you know, the approach isn't working for that child. So change things up a little bit and, um, you know, try to keep going with it instead of like, you know, flip-flopping back and forth between diapers and underwear and trying new things and, and all of that. So um, keep that in mind too. If something's not working, that it's, it's not you, it's not the child, it's just the approach. And that's kind of what needs to change. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really great advice. Um, so how about regression in potty training when they get older? I've seen it in a couple different kids. Um, it, ha- in my experience, it, it happens sometimes like five or six, uh, sometimes when they're going to school, cause school mm-hmm. can be a scary place to potty, which yeah. I totally get. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, regressions are usually, um, a result of or, you know, surrounded by some sort of change going on in the child's life. Mm-hmm. And a regression, whether it be a potty training regression or a sleep regression or a behavioral regression, it's it's ultimately their kind of defense mechanism to the changes that are taking place. They're saying, hey, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't like this. I feel in chaos right now, let me revert back to a previous stage of development where things felt safer. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of what a regression is. It's that reverting back to that previous form of development where they remember feeling safe and feeling protected and getting that extra attention and feeling cared for. So that's usually kind of where accidents fall into play because, you know, when they have an accident, they're getting that extra attention from mom and dad or from, you know, from the nanny. And it's, um, it makes them feel better to have that attention. So I always say, first of all, if you can try to figure out what's causing the regression, Um, think about any major changes, or even subtle changes, sometimes depending on how sensitive the kid is, um, have taken place recently in their life that could be causing them that stress to, um, to revert back. And, um, if you can nail it down, great. Sometimes you can't, and that's okay too. Um, the important thing is to see it as a, a cry for help almost, um, not necessarily as, oh, they're doing this to be bad. Um, it's, it's just them saying, Hey, I need you right now. And they don't necessarily know how to express that. So they're just reverting back to um, what they know works, what they know gets that attention, whether it be positive or negative attention. They don't care. They just need you. Um, So make sure you're offering them that extra attention and that extra, um, you know, one-on-one kind of interaction throughout the day if you need to for a little bit. Really talk to them, you know, make sure you're listening when they're talking to you. Designate some special one-on-one time, like after the new baby has gone to bed or something, so that they still feel that connection, that they still feel special, and they still feel, um, you know, worthy and all those things. So that way, if they're feeling satisfied emotionally in other areas, they won't be as likely to have that regressive behavior necessarily. Yeah. That's such great advice because I do feel like a lot of times um, we try to treat the symptom. Exactly. Um, and the, yeah, the regression is the symptom, not yeah. of the, the problem there. That's, Definitely. that's really great. So um, 
if a, if nannies are listening and they're like, man, I love potty training. Um, and <laughs> I didn't know that potty training consultant was a thing. Yeah. Uh, and they're thinking that they are interested. How can a nanny go about becoming a potty training consultant? Yeah, sure. So actually it's been a really exciting year for me, for the company so far. Um, I would have two options for them, depending on what they saw their future looking like. Um, if they wanted to continue nannying and just wanted to have kind of a potty training like certification to add to their resume, um, make them more marketable, get them more jobs. Um, I do have a new nanny certification program that they can take. Um, it's all online and the certification, it's a online course basically. So it teaches you everything you would need to know about potty training and about how to um, customize different techniques to different situations so that you can really use your potty training consultant knowledge to apply it to the family that you're working with at any given time. Um, and then I also have, if you feel like maybe you want to lean away from actual nannying and just do the actual potty training consulting full time um, or part time, whatever your schedule allows, um, I have a new potty training consultant certification program, which is a little bit more in depth and that um, would allow you to actually start your own potty training consulting business. And um, that's all online as well. But I have those two options and you can find out about both of those on my website. So I'm really excited to be able to announce those this year. Yes, that is so exciting. And, and I do think, um, I, I know of a lot of nannies that would probably be interested in adding it to their resume um, in that more um, just taking the course route. Um, sure. but then I also can think of some nannies that like, this might be their jam. Like, yeah, absolutely. They, you know, find finding it sometimes like finding a new family takes a while. And maybe in that time sure. you just are like, well, I'm going to pursue this. Definitely. Um, and then that gives you more experience to use when you do find a family the next time. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of avenues you could take with either option. So, it's uh, and anybody that has any questions about it, you can feel free to uh, to reach out to me, and I'm happy to walk you through what would be best for for your situation. Wonderful. And that website is yeah, my website is just pottytrainingconsultant.com. Pretty straightforward. Great, great. Um, and it will be down in the show notes. So if you are driving or doing dishes great. or whatever, do not worry. <laughs> just click on the link. <laughs> Perfect. Um, wonderful. So you have three books? Yes, I do. I have three books. <laughs> I forget amazing. about, I forget about that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so potty training for busy adults or for busy parents yeah. is your latest one. That's my most recent. Yeah. So that's the more comprehensive one. Um, uh, that kind of, it's exactly what it says. You know, it's, it's how to handle potty training when you have a, usually for parents who work full time or, you know, you have an unusual lifestyle, um, your schedule is busy, which I guess all parents could kind of argue that their lives are busy. Yes. <laughs> um, but um, it just, it really outlines kind of all the best techniques and kind of like what we talked about, how to customize that to your specific situation. Um, so it's, it's not, you know, as in depth, it's a more of an overview, but it still is, um, kind of all my best practices summed up in one little easy to read book. 
Wonderful. And then the poop puzzle. Yes, the poop puzzle. That's specifically for people who are struggling with getting poop in the potty, um, which is so many parents. And um, that's more of like a guide or a handbook. It's a very short read. I made it short on purpose because, you know, parents don't have a lot of time to sit around reading novels about pooping. <laughs> um, so that's got a lot of really great tips in there for people who are struggling with pooping that may not be able to afford a full custom consultation. So it can kind of help you get, get on the right track without having to go that route. Great. And then the wee hours. Yes, the wee hours is my nighttime training guide. So that um, is kind of a step-by-step -step process of how to nighttime potty train. Uh, and it just outlines all the different things that you can do, some of the tips that I talked about today, as well as a lot of other things to get dry nights. That's amazing. And I really love the name of that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I am a big fan of puns. Me um, too. Me too. <laughs> my guilty pleasure. Yes. Um, <laughs> wonderful. And then you mentioned um, the app. Are there other resources that you have found along the way like that, that you would recommend or um, uh, on top of buying your books, obviously? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the best place um, where you can find everything kind of all in one spot, it would be my Instagram page. And I'm just at Potty Training Consultant. And I've got kind of little highlight bubbles for all different topics of potty training that summarize a lot of um, helpful tips and things that, you know, apply to a lot of different situations in potty training as far as from, you know, anything from where to start or what age to start and up to those specific problems like poop problems, not self-initiating, you know, all those kinds of things, um, as well as in my blog, which is also on my website. Wonderful. And then if um, someone's listening that is interested in hiring you as a consultant, mm -hmm. um, how can listeners go about setting that up with you? Definitely. So the easiest thing would probably be to just shoot me an email directly, which is info at pottytrainingconsultant.com. I also have a contact page on my website, which comes straight to me as well. So uh, you can just pop in some of the details of your situation and I'll get back to you with uh, the most appropriate service options. Great. And you can do uh, work remotely, right? Yes, actually, most of my work is remote, and yeah. thank goodness for that with COVID going on. But um, yeah, so I do, I typically offer in-person services. I'm not at the moment, um, but I get the same level of success, knock on wood, for my clients, even when we aren't working together in person. So it works out either way. That's great. That's really wonderful. Is there anything else that you'd like to... Um, talk about or uh, anything else you'd like to point listeners towards? Um, no, I don't think so. I think the most important thing would just be to follow me on Instagram um, because that's where I, you know, that's kind of my hub. I tend to keep things most up to date on there. So I'm always posting new free potty stuff that I'm learning about every day. So I think that's probably the best resource for people that are just starting out. Um, as well as the information that's on my website. Wonderful. Um, this has been 
so great. Good. <laughs> I've learned a lot. Yes. It's a lot of information, I know. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's great. And now it's recorded, so I can listen again and again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, awesome. So we end each episode with a cute, funny story. And Allison, did you think of one? Uh, so... I'll share this, and I don't know if um, if you'll think it's cute or not, but I thought it was very cute. Um, it was my um, one of my clients who was really struggling with um, getting poop in the potty, and uh, she had an older daughter. I think she was about four and a half years old, and she had never pooped in the potty. Um, so she was, you know, needless to say, upset and distraught about the situation. So. Um, you know, we worked together for a couple weeks. I put together a plan for them and things like that. And one night while I was getting ready for bed, uh, because they were West Coast and I'm East Coast, um, I got this text from her and it's just um, a bunch of confetti. And she said, she pooped in the potty and it happened at the restaurant tonight. <laughs> and um, my heart just burst for them. Like I was just so happy. And uh, the fact that she pooped in a restaurant was just like mind blowing, I think, for all of us, because of all places, um, you know, to poop in some public strange bathroom was was kind of like the icing on the cake. And then it was um, like it was no looking back for them from there. So that's one of the things that really stands out in my mind is like a highlight of having done this. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> what a fun text to get right before bed. Like, I mean, I'm saying it with a little bit of a grin, but like but legitimately, like I, that's so, that's so wonderful. I bet that that must feel really, really nice to like have kind of success story after success story. It really does. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's what keeps me going really because that, it's such a rewarding feeling knowing that, you know, you're genuinely, genuinely helping these families that have been struggling for usually quite a bit of time. And, um, it's, you get to share in that excitement with them when they get that success, even though you're not right there with them, which is so, it's such an awesome feeling. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Allison. This was wonderful. You're so welcome. I was glad to be on. Yeah, and thank you all for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Reddick. Artwork by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.